0: chapter twelve of the mysteries of paris volume three this LibriVox recording is in the public domain the mysteries of paris volume three by eugene Sue. chapter twelve the protectress the inspectress soon entered with goualeuse into the little room where clmence was staying the pale cheek of the young girl was still slightly coloured in consequence of her conversation with la louve madame la marquise pleased with the excellent character i have given of you said madame armand to fleur-de-marie has desired to see you and will perhaps be so good as to have you released from here before the expiration of your time i thank you madame replied fleur-de-marie timidly to madame armand who left her alone with the marchioness the latter struck by the candid expression of her protege's features and by her carriage so full of grace and modesty could not help remembering that la goualeuse had pronounced the name of rodolphe in her sleep and that the inspectress believed the young prisoner to be a prey to deep and hidden love although perfectly convinced that it could not be a question as to the grand duke rodolphe clémence acknowledged to herself that with regard to beauty la goualeuse was worthy of a prince's love at the sight of her protectress whose physiognomy as we have said displayed excessive goodness fleur-de-marie felt herself sympathetically attracted towards her my girl said clmence to her whilst commending the gentleness of your disposition and the discreetness of your behaviour madame armand complains of your want of confidence in her fleur-de-marie bowed her look but did not reply the peasant's dress in which you were clad when you were apprehended your silence on the subject of the place where you resided before you were brought here prove that you conceal certain particulars from us madame I have no right to your confidence, my poor child, nor would I ask you any question that would distress you. But, as I am assured that if I request your discharge from prison it will be accorded to me, before I do so I should wish to talk to you of your own plans, your resources for the future. Once free, what do you propose to do? If, as I doubt not, you decide on following the good path you have already entered upon, have confidence in me, and I will put you in the way of gaining an honest subsistence, la goualeuse was moved to tears at the interest which madame d'harville evinced for her after a moment's hesitation she replied you are very good madame to show so much benevolence towards me so generous that i ought perhaps to break the silence which i have hitherto kept on the past to which i was forced by an oath an oath yes madame i have sworn to be secret to justice and the persons employed in this prison as to the series of events by which i was brought hither yet madame if you will make me a promise of what nature to keep my secret i may thanks to you madame without breaking my oath comfort most worthy persons who no doubt are excessively uneasy on my account rely on my discretion i will only say what you authorize me to disclose oh thanks madame i was so fearful that my silence towards my benefactors would appear like ingratitude the gentle accents of fleur-de-marie and her well-selected phrases struck madame d'harville with fresh surprise i will not conceal from you said she that your demeanour your language all surprise me in a remarkable degree how could you with an education which appears polished how could you fall so low?" you would say madame said goualeuse with bitterness alas it is but a very short time that i have received this education I owe this benefit to a generous protector who, like you, madame, without knowing me, without even having the favourable recommendation which you have received in my favour, took pity upon me. And who is this protector? I do not know, madame. You do not know? He only makes himself known, they tell me, by his inexhaustible goodness. Thanks be to heaven, he found me in his path. And when did you first meet? one night in the cité, madame said goualeuse lowering her eyes a man was going to beat me this unknown benefactor defended me courageously this was my first meeting with him then he was one of the people the first time i saw him he had the dress and language but afterwards afterwards the way in which he spoke to me the profound respect with which he was treated by the persons to whom he confided me all proved to me that he only assumed the exterior disguise of one of the men who are seen about the cité but with what motive i do not know and do you know the name of this mysterious protector oh yes madame said la goualeuse with excitement thank heaven for i can incessantly bless and adore that name my preserver is called Monsieur rodolph madame clmence blushed deeply and has he no other name she asked quickly of fleur-de-marie i know no other madame in the farm where he sent me he was only known as m rodolph and his age still young madame and handsome oh yes handsome noble as his own heart the grateful and impassioned accent with which fleur-de-marie uttered these words caused a deeply painful sensation in madame d'harville's bosom an unconquerable and inexplicable presentiment told her that it was indeed the prince the remarks of the inspectress were just thought clmence goualeuse loves rodolphe that was the name she pronounced in her sleep under what strange circumstance had the prince and this unfortunate girl met why did rodolphe go disguised into the cité? the marquise could not resolve these questions she only remembered what sarah had wickedly and mendaciously told her as to the pretended eccentricities of rodolph was it not in fact strange that he should have extricated from the dregs of society a girl of such excessive loveliness and evidently so intelligent and sensible clmence had noble qualities but she was a woman and deeply loved rodolph although she had resolved to bury that secret in her heart's very core without reflecting that this was unquestionably but one of those generous actions which the prince was accustomed to do by stealth without considering that she was perchance confounding with love a sentiment that was but excess of gratitude without considering that even if this feeling were more tender rodolph must be ignorant of it the marchioness in the first moment of bitterness and injustice could not help looking at goualeuse as her rival her pride revolted when she believed she was suffering in spite of herself with such a humiliating rivalry and she replied in a tone so harsh as to contrast cruelly with the affectionate kindness of her first words and how is it then mademoiselle that your protector leaves you in prison how comes it that you are here oh madame said fleur-de-marie struck at this sudden change of tone have i done anything to displease you in what could you have displeased me asked madame d'harville haughtily it appeared to me just now that you spoke to me so kindly madame really mademoiselle is it necessary that i should weigh every word i utter since i take an interest in you i have i think a right to ask you certain questions scarcely had Clémence uttered these words than she regretted their severity first from a praiseworthy return of generosity and then because she thought by being harsh with her rival she might not learn any more of what she was so anxious to know in fact goualeuse's countenance just now so open and confiding became suddenly alarmed like the sensitive plant which on the first touch curls up its leaves and withdraws within itself the heart of fleur-de-marie became painfully contracted Clémence replied gently in order that she might not awaken her protege's suspicions by too sudden a return to a milder tone really I must repeat that I cannot understand why, having so much to praise your benefactor for, you are left here a prisoner. How is it that, after having returned with all sincerity to the paths of rectitude, you could have been apprehended at night in a forbidden place? All this, I confess to you, appears to me very extraordinary. You speak of an oath, which has bound you to silence, but this very oath is so strange. I have spoken the truth, madame. I am sure of that. It is only to see and hear you to be convinced that you are incapable of falsehood but what is so incomprehensible in your situation makes me the more curious and impatient to have it cleared up and to this alone must you attribute the abruptness of my language just now i was wrong i feel i was for although i have no claim to your confidence beyond my anxious desire to be of service to you yet you have offered to disclose to me what you have not yet told to any person and i can assure you my poor girl that this proof of your confidence in the interest i feel for you touches me very nearly i promise you to keep your secret most scrupulously if you confide it to me and i will do everything in my power to effect what you may wish to have done thanks to this skilful patching up the phrase will be excused we trust madame d'harville regained la goualeuses confidence which had been for a moment repressed fleur-de-marie in her candour reproached herself for having wrongly interpreted the words which had wounded her excuse me madame she said to clmence i was no doubt wrong not to tell you at once what you desired to know but you asked me for the name of my preserver and in spite of myself i could not resist the pleasure of speaking of him nothing could be more praiseworthy and it proves how truly grateful you are to him tell me how it was that you left the worthy people with whom you were no doubt placed by m rodolph is it to this event that the oath you were compelled to take refers yes madame but thanks to you i think i may still keep my word faithfully and at the same time inform my benefactors as to my disappearance now then my poor girl i am all attention to you it is three months nearly since m Rodolph placed me at a farm which is situated four or five leagues from paris did m Rodolph take you there himself yes madame and confided me to the charge of a worthy lady as good as she was venerable and i loved her like my mother she and the curé of the village at the request of m Rodolphe, took charge of my education and m Rodolphe, did he often come to the farm no madame he only came three times during the whole time i was there clmence's heart throbbed with joy and when he came to see you that made you very happy did it not oh yes madame it was more than happiness to me it was a feeling mingled with gratitude respect adoration and even a degree of fear of fear between him and me between him and others the distance is so great but what then was his rank i do not know that he had any rank madame yet you allude to the distance which exists between him and others oh madame what places him above all the rest of the world is the elevation of his character his inexhaustible generosity towards those who suffer the enthusiasm which he inspires in every one the wicked even cannot hear his name without trembling and respect as much as they dread him but forgive me madame for still speaking of him i ought to be silent for i seek to give you an adequate idea of him who ought to be adored in silence i might as well try to express by words the goodness of heaven this comparison is perhaps sacrilegious madame but will it offend the good god to compare to him one who has given me the consciousness of good and evil one who has snatched me from the abyss one in fact to whom i owe a new existence i do not blame you my child i can understand all your noble exaggerations but how was it that you abandoned this farm where you must have been so happy alas not voluntarily madame who then forced you away one evening some days since said fleur-de-marie trembling even as she spoke i was going towards the parsonage-house in the village when a wicked woman who had used me very cruelly during my infancy and a man her accomplice who had concealed themselves in a ravine threw themselves upon me and after having gagged me carried me off in a hackney-coach for what purpose i know not madame my ravishers i think were acting in conformity to orders from some powerful personages what followed this scarcely was the hackney-coach in motion than the wicked creature who is called la chouette exclaimed i have some vitriol here and i'll rub la goualeuse's face to disfigure her with it oh horrible unhappy girl and who has saved you from this danger the woman's confederate a blind man called the schoolmaster and he defended you yes madame this and another time also On this occasion there was a struggle between him and La Chouette. Exerting his strength, the schoolmaster compelled her to throw out of window the bottle which held the vitriol. This was the first service he rendered me after having, however, aided in carrying me off. The night was excessively dark. At the end of an hour and a half the coach stopped, as I think, on the high road which traverses the plain Saint-Denis, and here was a man on horseback evidently waiting us. "'What?' said he have you got her at last yes we've got her answered la chouette who was furious because she had been hindered from disfiguring me if you wish to get rid of the little baggage at once it will be a good plan to stretch her on the ground and let the coach wheels pass over her skull it will appear as if she had been accidentally killed you make me shudder alas madame la chouette was quite capable of doing what she said fortunately The man on horseback replied that he would not have any harm done to me, and all he wanted was to have me confined somewhere for two months in a place whence I could neither go out nor be allowed to write to anyone. Then La Chouette proposed to take me to a man's called Bras Rouge, who keeps a tavern in the Champs-Elysees. In this tavern there are several subterranean chambers, and one of these, La Chouette said, would serve for me a prison. The man on horseback agreed to this proposition, and he promised me that after remaining two months at bras rouge's i should be properly taken care of and not be sorry for having quitted the farm at bouqueval what a strange mystery this man gave money to la chouette and promised her more when she should bring me back from bras rouge's and then galloped away our hackney-coach continued its way on to paris and a short time before we reached the barrier the schoolmaster said to la chouette you want to shut Goualeurs up in one of bras rouge's cellars when you know very well that being so close to the river's side these cellars are always under water in the winter do you wish to drown her yes replied la chouette poor girl what had you ever done to this horrid woman nothing madame and from my very infancy she has always been so full of hatred towards me the schoolmaster replied i won't have goualeuse drowned she shan't go to la chouette was astonished as i was madame to hear this man defend me thus and she flew into a violent rage and swore she would take me to bras in spite of the schoolmaster i defy you said he for i have got goualeuse by the arm and i will not let go my hold of her and if you come near her i'll strangle you what do you mean then to do with her cried la chouette since she must be concealed somewhere for two months so that no one may know where she is there's a way said the schoolmaster we are going by the champs-elysees we will stop the coach a little way off the guard-house and you shall go to bras tavern it is midnight and you will be sure to find him bring him here and he shall lead la goualeuse to the guard-house declaring that she is a fille de la cité whom he has found loitering about his house as girls are sentenced to three months imprisonment if found in the champs-elysees and as la goualeuse is still on the police-books she will be apprehended and sent to st lazare where she will be better taken care of and concealed than in Bratton Rouge's cellar but answered la chouette goualeuse will not allow herself to be arrested even at the corps de garde she will declare that we have carried her off and give information against us and supposing even that she does go to prison she will write to her protectors and all will be discovered no she will go to prison willingly answered the schoolmaster and she shall take an oath not to give any information against any person as long as she is in st lazare nor afterwards either this is a debt she owes me for i prevented you from disfiguring her la chouette and saved her from being drowned at but if after having sworn not to speak she dares to do so we will attack the farm at Bouqueval with fire and blood then addressing me the schoolmaster added decide then take the oath i demand of you and you shall get off for three months in prison if not i abandon you to la chouette who will take you to bras rouge's where you will be drowned and we will set bouqueval farm on fire so come decide i know if you take the oath you will keep it and you did swear alas yes madame i was so fearful they would do my protectors at the farm injury and then i so much dreaded being drowned by la chouette in a cellar it seemed so frightful to me another death would have seemed to me less horrid and perhaps i should not have tried to escape it what a dreadful idea at your age said madame d'harville looking at la goualeuse with surprise when you have left this place and have been restored to your benefactors shall you not be very happy has not your repentance effaced the past can the past ever be effaced can the past ever be forgotten can repentance kill memory madame Exclaimed Fleur-de-Marie in a tone so despairing that Clmence shuddered. But all faults are retrieved, unhappy girl. And the remembrance of stain, madame, does not that become more and more terrible in proportion as the soul becomes purer, in proportion as the mind becomes more elevated? Alas! The higher we ascend, the deeper appears the abyss which we have quitted. Then you renounce all hope of restoration, of pardon? "'On the part of others?' "'No, madame. "'Your kindness proves to me that remorse will find indulgence.' "'But you will be pitiless towards yourself.' "'Others, madame, may not know, pardon, or forget what I have been, "'but I shall never forget it.' "'And do you sometimes desire to die?' "'Sometimes,' said Goualeuse, smiling bitterly. "'Then, after a moment's silence, she added, "'Sometimes, yes, madame.' still you were afraid of being disfigured by that horrid woman and so you wished to preserve your beauty my poor little girl that proves that life has still some attraction for you so courage courage it is perhaps weakness to think of it but if i were handsome as you say madame i should like to die handsome pronouncing the name of my benefactor madame d'harville's eyes filled with tears fleur-de-marie had said these last words with so much simplicity her angelic pale depressed features her melancholy smile were all so much in accord with her words that it was impossible to doubt the reality of her sad desire madame d'harville was endued with too much delicacy not to feel how miserable how fatal was this thought of la goualeuse i shall never forget what i have been-the fixed permanent incessant idea which controlled and tortured fleur-de-marie's life Clémence, ashamed at having for an instant misconstrued the ever disinterested generosity of the prince regretted also that she had for a moment allowed herself to be actuated by any feeling of absurd jealousy against la Gualeuse, who with such pure excitement expressed her gratitude towards her protector it was strange that the admiration which this poor prisoner felt so deeply towards rodolph perhaps increased the profound love which clmence must forever conceal from him she said to drive away these thoughts i trust that for the future you will be less severe towards yourself but let us talk of this oath for now i can explain your silence you will not denounce these wretches although the schoolmaster shared in my carrying off yet he twice defended me and i would not be ungrateful towards him then you lent yourself to the plans of these monsters yes madame i was so frightened the chouette went to seek for bras rouge who conducted me to the guard-house saying he had found me roving near his cabaret i did not deny it and so they took me into custody and brought me here but your friends at the farm must be in the most utmost anxiety about you alas madame in my great alarm i did not reflect that my oath would prevent me from assuring them of my safety now that makes me wretched but i think and hope you think so too that without breaking my word i may beg of you to write to madame georges at the farm of Bouqueval and assure her that she need have no fears for me without informing her where i am for i have promised to be silent my child these precautions will be useless if at my recommendation you are pardoned to-morrow you will return to the farm without having betrayed your oath by that and you may consult your friends hereafter to know how far you are bound by a promise which was extorted from you by a threat you believe then madame that thanks to your kindness i may hope to leave here very soon you deserve my interest so much that i am sure i shall succeed and i have no doubt but that the day after to-morrow you may rely on going in person to your benefactors so soon madame how have i deserved so much goodness on your part how can i ever repay your kindness by continuing to behave as you have done i only regret that i cannot do anything towards your future existence that is a pleasure which your friends have reserved for themselves at this moment madame armand entered abruptly and with a troubled air madame la marquise she said addressing clmence with hesitation i am deeply pained with a message i have to convey to you what do you mean madame the duc de lucenay is below just come from your house madame la how you frighten me what's the matter i do not know madame but Monsieur de lucenay has he told me some very distressing information to communicate to you he learnt from the duchess his lady that you were here and has come in great haste distressing information said madame d'harville to herself then she suddenly shrieked out in agonised accents my daughter my daughter my daughter perhaps oh speak madame i do not know your ladyship oh for mercy's sake for mercy's sake take me to monsieur de lucenay cried madame d'harville rushing out with a bewildered air followed by madame Armand. Poor mother, she fears for her child! said la goualeuse, following Clemence with her eyes, Oh, no, it is impossible!-at the very moment when she was so benevolent and kind to me, such a blow could not strike her!-No, no!-once again I say it is impossible! End of chapter twelve Read by Celine Major.